0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. So good to be here. Uh, as always, we have got a great uh, topic today. Um, as I've been doing for the last couple of months, I'm trying to find a single word to describe the episode. Gave it a little bit of thought this morning, and the word is strategic. You know, a lot of times in our daily activities, we get up, we, you know, we respond to emails, and we, we're functioning in more of a tactical uh, environment. But every once in a while, we got to stop and we got to look at the big picture, and we got to kind of look at all the pieces on the chessboard and figure out what some of our next moves are. So this week's title or topic is about IT professionals taking a lead in filling the global uh, the void in the global workplace uh, transformation. And what I mean by that is, uh, pick up a newspaper. You know, shortage of workers, um, skill shortages. uh, You cannot avoid this conversation. People are looking for good uh, workers at the right wages. And I don't want to say the word outsourcing, but I'll start with it. Um, You know, 20, 25 years ago, it became very common for uh, folks to outsource their uh, some of their IT capabilities or needs to places like India and others. Uh, I had a software company that we had uh, um, opened and uh, our development team was actually based out of Bangalore or in the the region. So it's not new, um, but what is new is is how fast The rest of the world is catching up, providing educated workers, and they want to be part of an international, uh, sophisticated, um, complex ecosystem that takes their skills from places like India and others uh, and and puts them into Western companies uh, as easily as possible. So that's going to be our topic today. And I don't think there's anybody that we could uh, have better on this topic. Justin Siegel, co-founder of Relay Human Cloud also president of Boxster Property and founder of Stemmins Enterprise. Justin has been in the RealCom community for probably 20 years. I consider him a friend, one of the smartest guys I know. So let's bring on Justin. And, And Justin, I'm really excited to get your take on this evolution. It's not new. It's an evolution of this distributed workforce. And uh some of the stuff that you're doing and others are exciting, and, and really looking forward to um, to hearing your take on this. So, why don't you give everybody a little bit about your background, general, and then kind of dive into the topic, and, and we'll get right to it.
1: Great. Uh, well, thank you, Jim, and thank you for for distinguishing what we're doing from outsourcing. We'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit later, but it's always. Uh, I have a, a visceral reaction to that word because it's not what we're about. But um, anyway, I'll start with this boxer uh, property uh, is a company I'm the president of. We started it 30 years ago. It's a vertically integrated commercial real estate firm. We deal with office buildings, uh, retail, hotel, restaurant, golf, some other asset classes, um, with a with a strong focus on smaller occupiers, particularly uh, in the collaborative space area. Uh, we're headquartered in Texas. We've got properties. Uh, all around the United States, and we have employees all around the world, which is uh, which relates to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Relay Human Cloud is a separate company from Boxer. Uh, we spun it off. It's uh, Relay is the safest and most effective way to globalize your workforce, and we avoid pitfalls of things like outsourcing and freelancers. We create incredible international offices. We pre-hire talent. We make those people available as dedicated. Uh, full-time, long-term employees to companies based in the U.S. and the U.K. And at Boxer, we've we've had our own overseas offices for over a decade. Uh, we believe that we've perfected the model for how to work with international talent, and we spun off Relay to help other companies succeed uh, in this kind of workforce globalization that is happening today.
0: So let let's start from from the beginning or, or the bottom of the of the stack, if you will. United States westernized company developed nation lots of needs you know the question is why can't we find this workforce here right um, let's start with that question why where are our workers you know that, that we need why can't we find them in the United States
1: well there's a lot of potential answers to that the great resignation um, you know there we could we could spend a long time on that and and still, uh, have different opinions as to where everybody went. Um, uh, but I know that it it's hard to find the people that we're looking for right now. Um, right. And you know we're, we're kind of it's almost like we're we're stuck between a rock and a hard place because when we do find them, they're really expensive. And right. you know we've had this kind of um, significant inflation. Uh, so you have this issue with okay, we can't find people, but when we do find them they're really expensive. And by the way, U.S. Uh, productivity is down on a per-person basis. You know, we're just not getting done the stuff that that we used to. Right. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, we've got challenges in our industry. So this is kind of this, you know, we're, we're getting it from all directions right now is occupiers are not using all of their space. The interest rates are, are high. Deals are not getting underwritten. You know, we can't. Uh, solve these problems with free money and just borrow our way out of it because that is gone. So it's time yeah. to really get creative um, about how to move forward as, a, as an effective company today.
0: I, I, I don't know if the, this number is not verified. I heard this the other day, um, that 6 million males have elected to simply leave the workforce. Okay, unverified. You know, it's it's anecdotal at this point. But even if it's half that number, I mean, if you take that, you know, and and look at it across the the board, that many people just not wanting to get up every morning and go to work, um, that impacts the workforce. I mean, that that impacts a country. Whole different conversation for another time. But that's, I think, a good foundational place to start. We've got jobs in this country. They require a certain amount of skill. They are now becoming more and more high paying. And yet, we're still having trouble filling them.
1: Yep, and it, it's it's we can we can try to um, and because this is a, a, a audience that is focused on technology. I mean, we we can try to squeeze the the juice out of technology again, yep. right? And that's it's like, well, we can we can use automation or AI or systems or whatever. But I feel like that's kind of incremental. And, and what we need to do now as an industry is something big and kind of discover, as you said, a new strategy. And in my opinion, that big thing is globalizing the workforce.
0: Yeah, so that, you know, that's it, the question. Why is this the time for a global workforce for a small, medium and large company? Yeah,
1: well, th- this, is, this is like, we're seeing it happen very quickly. I, I think of, of globalizing your workforce is like finding the internet in 1995. You know it's 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 something that you look at and you realize people are using but but pretty soon everybody's going to be doing it and the reason it's now is because we have all the things we need you know we have cheap connectivity we have great communications platforms we have data we've learned how to work remotely over the last few years and Mm -hmm. the impetus is there because of the macroeconomic factors that i mentioned earlier so everything is kind of pointing towards introducing international team members into your workforce. The question is you know what and how and who
0: Well and the other thing that I've noticed and by the way we, you and I have talked about this my daughter I think she was in fourth grade and she's now you know out of out of college so it's got to be at least 20 years um, 15, 20 years. Uh, she had a tutor uh, in India and his name was Shrivru, and he was a PhD in mathematics or an MBA, I'm sorry, MBA, you know, teaching my daughter fourth grade math. Okay. Let's talk just a little bit about um, how smart people are are becoming around the world, the educational status and the academic achievements. I mean, these folks that on the other side of the world who we would consider in a lot of cases coming from third world nations, the academics they're achieving are off the charts, correct?
1: Yeah, and I've visited uh, universities in India and Mexico and, and, um, and, and Central American countries. You know, what, what happened is, and particularly in India, they started investing very heavily in, in intellectual capital and human capital. And the education system there is, is fantastic. In many cases, it's conducted in English. Um, and so you have this incredible labor pool there that is really well-educated. The question is, how do we find them, and how do we integrate them effectively into our company?
0: Right. So, I, I've had experience with uh, programmers. Um, our president worked with a programming team over there and developed a, a great cloud software platform twenty years ago using Indian programmers. I, I've got experience with a math tutor. But what other kind of roles? You know, when you when you say you know we can have an employee you know integrate into our work culture halfway around the world. What kind of roles? Are they just technical? Are they financial? Give us an idea of the kind of things that they're doing.
1: Well, you're you're on the right track by starting with accounting and IT, because those are the classics. You know, accounting right. is, is numbers and everything ties together. Um, and, you know, there's FASB and GAAP. So you have this kind of pre-structured world. Uh, so accounting and finance stuff is a no-brainer. IT, of course, is almost by definition purely information work. Right. So we recognize that there's no physicality to it and uh, it can be done from anywhere. But, you know, really, if you take a step back, let's look at the work that we're doing and say, okay, somebody who's sitting at a desk is doing knowledge work. The pattern is that something comes in. Right. Information comes in. They add value to it and then it goes out. Right. And so that could be an invoice that gets coded or it could be a lease that gets abstracted or a question that gets answered or a schedule that is reviewed or an audit that's performed. Um, the, the, the real question we should be asking when we look at work is, does it need to be done somewhere that is proximate to your assets? Right. right? For, and very often the answer is no. no so no. At, at, at Boxer, um, we have approximately 1,200 people and 400 of them are overseas, which is approximately one in three. And wow. that includes things. We don't have maintenance people or, or cleaners there. So, you know, for example, in our accounting department, we've got 35 people in the US and 110 overseas, wow. which is 75% of our accounting function is performed by team members overseas. So then we start looking at other areas of knowledge work where we go, okay, let's add an architect. Let's add an attorney. Uh, somebody to administer the CRM, uh, maybe uh, assistant property managers, uh, project managers, leasing support, asset management support. How
0: about marketing? I mean, what, what, the, have you gotten into the marketing side yet? Where there may be a little cultural, or or you know, more of a, um, a need to understand the people you're dealing with. Have you have you touched on that yet?
1: Well, the marketing team is balanced 50 50 U S and overseas. Now, what, what yeah. the overseas team is doing are things like SEO and analytics and marketing reporting. And, um, you know, team uh, like we'll, we'll take kind of templates for graphic design and, and the graphic designers there will be responsible for applying those across a, a bunch of stuff. So if you look closely at what a marketing team is doing, there's a tremendous amount of very important work that doesn't require, writing copy or cultural uh, attunement to to your specific customers, and we can disaggregate that work and make it a, a massively more effective department.
0: So it's basically anybody who sits at a keyboard, which is most of us these days, or a lot of us, um, those jobs can now be distributed internationally with the click of a button. Yeah.
1: If someone in your organization is asking you if they can work from home on a particular day, you know that that work can be done anywhere. Right. You know, or at least part of their job, and that's the thing. Sometimes it's blended. A property manager uh, can't be totally remote, but part of the part of their work is is absolutely subject to globalization. And so you can you can disaggregate that and have the assistant property manager doing variance reports and you know triage of of work orders and managing permits and all of that stuff, while the manager is walking the property, talking to to tenants yeah. and customers and vendors.
0: Right. Um I remember we did a, a virtual tour of a facility once, and we were uh, we, I was there, and we were walking, and our team um, was back uh, you know, in their offices, home offices. And I asked the gal next to me, whats what are the ceiling heights?" And she goes, "Oh, I don't know, right. And 30 seconds later in my ear, because I was walking around with an earbud in the camera, uh, one of our folks said, Jim, the ceilings are, are 12 feet because <laughs> <Right. I laughs> he, he had the diagram and I looked at it and I go, your ceilings are 12 feet. She goes, how do you know? I go, our guy just pulled up the plans and took a look at it. Right. People don't have any idea what you can do when you coordinate, you know, people on the streets, if you will, and people back in the back of the office. You know, the power that that brings. Let me ask you a quick question. There's a misconception that this is only for big companies with big payrolls and lots of people to figure it out. Is that true or not?
1: Not true. It's, I mean, you know, a, a very large company can perhaps go set up their own operation overseas, mm-hmm. um, you know. But 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 really, it could be a team of two or three people that need assistance. It could be a, a company, you know. It might be a huge company, but a small department, right. and that department is, you know, maybe it's the legal team, and they're having to ingest all of these leases and abstract them and do lease management and. Watch clauses, and you know, it could be three or four attorneys who who want support, or it could be an entire department where we're gonna we're going to um, you know really ramp up. So it, it, it was somewhat of a loaded
0: question because yeah. I we are a small company and we have used it, but I talked to a lot of people. We say you know how, how did you figure that out? Isn't that complicated? You know where do you start, right? And I said, well, you start at the beginning. You know, and like I said, what we did 20 years ago was outsourcing. We had a mm-hmm. team of 10 or so programmers. Our guys would go over there two, two three times a year. They were the manager. It was a, a whole department, if you will. Um, what we're talking about today is going to be a little different. Um, before we go to break, I got one more question. Then we're going to get into differentiating what what's going on now versus what we've seen in the past. Um, in your experience. If you talk to ten real, you're sitting at a table at lunch. There's ten real estate companies represented. What percentage of them have some form of outsourced international, you know, relationship um, with employees? What percentage out of you know of those companies would have ventured into this space?
1: Well, almost every one of them will have tried outsourcing at some point. So we'll just say everyone has tried it. Some have succeeded and only got to a certain level with it, but. But in terms of kind of beyond that, uh, I, I would say you know right now if, if there's ten people, two of them are actually doing it, um, and and seven of them are really thinking about it, and and right. it's 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 become a current problem to solve, or they realize that it's there, and then there's one person who's kind of like um, this doesn't apply to me, and, right.
0: But, but but obviously because you've lived it right with your with your own real estate company and you know of its success what do you say to them what do you say how do you tell them uh, the, uh, explain the positive impacts that this kind of operation has on a real estate company
1: so it starts with the obvious stuff like the financial impact a labor rate arbitrage is real at boxer we're saving you know on give or take uh, 18 million dollars a year. Um, but it's much more than that. I mean, first of all, you have access to talent. You can you can dip into and 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 work with international talent pools. There's great education. Like, why limit yourself? We get to use the whole day. You know, isn't it right. isn't it obscene that companies only use one third of the day and then two thirds yeah. of the day nothing happens and then everyone comes back and pretends they're really busy and they are. But why stop when the sun goes down? Instead, just yeah. kind of pass it off. Um, Yep. So we, we reduce the cycle times. We get things done faster. We can, we can afford to innovate and try new things. And, and probably the biggest thing is the impact on the quality of life of, of the people either in the U.S. or the people overseas. But for somebody in the U.S. to be able to have the work continue and to have the support that you actually need means that you can leave at the office at five o'clock and feel good about the work that you did and know that things are, are happening You go off, you see your family, you, you, you know, take a yoga class, (laughs) do a hobby. Um, The the impact from financial to talent to, to cycle compression to quality of life is just absolutely incredible. Well, I'm, 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 uh. Pausing for Jim, who's has having a cough, but um, it, it also it also makes a huge difference. You know, we're we're very excited about the opportunities that we're providing around the world for people to become part of a global workforce, um, to have income independence, to have marketable skills, to um, to work directly with U.S. companies and counterparties, and that's not uh, it's not it's not to be forgotten. Is this is this is really spreading opportunity in a very positive way all around the world.
2: All right, with that, I'm going to take a break, clear my throat, throat, and we'll be right back. We have all had to make changes in recent years. The workplace is changing too. Then why aren't we operating our buildings differently? It was easy before because nearly all of the office space was being used. Now we need to figure out how to operate a building with so many less people in it instead of cooling and heating everywhere in the building. IBIS SmartFloor uses energy only for the spaces where people are working. You can save more than 15% on building energy cost. All with an ROI in less than two years. Email us for case studies, more info, or a free consultation. (coughs) at ibismsi.com
0: all right thank you for covering justin i appreciate that um so how is this different from freelancing or outsourcing
1: so the the outsourcing and freelancing are models that people are pretty familiar with what what we're providing through relay is is something we call staff hosting and Mm so we set up a a legal entity in in a country we uh, rent an incredible office, we fit it out with computers and internet and recruiters, and we provide benefits and office culture. And, you know, there's, there's a cricket team, there's events, um, all of those things that you would want in an office environment. And then the customer works directly with their team members directing their work and treating them like part of their team. Hmm. And, you know, outsourcing is a very different model, right? With, with outsourcing, the product is finished work. It's like, it's accounting, or lease abstraction or some something that, that is a service like the, that where it's work that's being sent and you don't, as the client, you don't really have direct relationships with the workers. Um, and that level of separation causes problems. So we, we, we kind of did it. We try another company. We think it'll work better that time. Um, we, maybe we try a new, different department that we're going to try outsourcing with. And eventually people just go, Hey, international teams don't work. Um, but what, what they really should be saying, I think, is that outsourcing is the problem. The model is the problem. And even at its best, it only works for very formulaic, basic things. Mm-hmm. Um, freelancing is a different model. And and I'm also going to lump in with freelancing, this kind of global PEO or professional employment or employee organizations. These are companies that will tell you, hey, uh, you can hire people overseas and we'll pay them and you will, you know, we'll, you'll, we'll handle the payments. Um that model is is full of challenges as well. Like the the people who are doing the work are often having multiple jobs.
2: Uh, right. They
1: may be they may they're working from wherever it could be a coffee shop, it could be their house. They could be working from their other full time job. Um, but but there's also no accountability. There's no cybersecurity. You may be breaking um, international labor laws uh, in the, in the country where the person is. And more to the point, it's just it's not safe or scalable for for a real organization to have a bunch of Uh, freelancers in and out of their systems so staff hosting is different because you get a direct connection to your team but also the benefits that come from having them in an office and accountability and so forth
0: well and i also understand your process is literally you know as easy as clicking a mouse i mean you think about international as you said all the laws the regulations the documents that have to go back and forth how complicated it is reading resumes scheduling i mean i I understand your process you know what i've seen of it is extremely easy and efficient why don't you just take a minute and walk us through you know how that works yeah,
1: well, we have, I mean, we handle all the complexity in the foreign countries. So so we're complying with all the laws there. We have um, everything done there by the book. Uh, for the U.S. company, what you do is you have a, a contract with us uh, in, in the U.S. It's one, you know, one invoice. It's paid in U.S. dollars. There's no currency stuff. There's no international transactions. And we pre-hire people and we put them in boot camp. We call it the bench. Um, they're They're you know, educated, ready to go, uh, and we put them in training programs so that our customers can can pick them um, immediately and have them join their team. And it's so different than saying, "Hey, we, you know, we're going to recruit somebody, and we have to go through posting and then reviewing resumes and and all of that." This is more like having people that are ready to jump uh, and and start literally tomorrow. So you can watch their video interview, you can look at their resume, and if if you want to add them to your team. You you click and they they can be on your team tomorrow, which is totally different than the the normal way of adding people to your company.
0: So the subject line or, or the subject today was how can IT leaders you know take a leadership role in bringing this into an organization? Can you give us an idea of what you're thinking about in that respect?
1: Yeah, th- this is one of the most fascinating things, and just kind of sociologically, it's interesting to watch what happens when there's something new that comes into an organization, but there's no clear owner of it. Right? And that's what's happening with this workforce globalization. So m- much like innovation or ESG or DEI, or you know, when e-commerce came around, even when IT was new, it was kind of like who's who's responsible for this. And so by this, I mean this concept of creating within a company the capability of operating internationally. And it's really up for grabs. Like nobody owns it right. yet. I mean, the, what what we're seeing is that individual business unit owners sometimes take the plunge but they only care about their particular business unit. And so if we think about the organization overall, there's two groups that have kind of a horizontal mandate. And that's IT and HRs. So they're the groups that can that can go around to each department and talk to them about their needs and how things are going. And and so what 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 I think will happen is that either HR or IT or some combination Will end up owning this function because shouldn't it be
0: really operations? I mean, shouldn't somebody who's at the top of the of the you know the mountain, you know, running the organization, is looking at you know people and, and employees, human resources, if you will? Um, shouldn't it go up a notch? It could,
1: it could. But you know, if you think about what it what this process entails, right? Is we have to create an infrastructure to bring resources from other places. There's change management and innovation. There's delivering training. There's understanding departmental needs, not just in operations, but across every group. And, and, and there's a lot of moving information and tracking information. And IT is really in a good position to do that yeah. from, from a competency standpoint. But also there's another thing, which is to the extent that you believe, as I do, that collapsing budgets and hiring freezes and, and pressure um, on performance will, will trickle down into all departments this is a great time for IT to, to, to grab something new. I totally totally agree.
0: Totally agree. I mean, IT is supposed to be the innovation hub inside the company. And even though this isn't, you know, bits and bytes and keyboards, it's using bits and bytes and keyboards to facilitate a business process, which makes all the sense in the world. Um, Yeah. I mean, and if you kind of look at all the warnings that we're hearing about 2023 and potential for recession and tightening the belts and, um, having this option to expand your workforce or, you know, add to your workforce, um, with very competent, hardworking people at a lesser cost that doesn't get much simpler than that. I mean, it, it's yep. really a simple proposition if you really break it down.
1: If you, if you can raise your hand and say, I'm going to take this on for the organization and I'm going to own this, um, that's, that's making a really important impact. And I would say that IT is in a really great position to do it mostly because of that horizontal mandate. And also Mm -hmm. that if, like, if just take a step back and think about what it has done over the last X years, whatever that X is, but it's things like investing in data, investing in cybersecurity, um, rolling out and, 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 you know, creating and securing collaboration and communications platforms, having visibility, Mm -hmm. uh, enabling a distributed, like these are all things that IT has, has just effectively finished working on and, and it flows very naturally. And these are the precursors for enabling.
0: we, We we've been saying for years, IT has the potential of reaching into every single department and taking leadership roles, you know, in every single department from marketing, through operations, through, you know, facilities management, and now into all the accounting and administrative functions as well. It's a, it's a golden opportunity and, and we're going to be talking about this a lot going into the first quarter of next year, especially as we see what happens to the economy and you know some compression, uh, some expense some cr- expense compression and what are the options uh, available And I think this is an extraordinary one. So unfortunately we are out of time. we took a few two minutes. Uh, hopefully Howard doesn't yell at me. but as always uh, you're on to something uh, early and and you've got it down to a science and we're looking forward to seeing how this evolves um, over the next 12, 18 months.
1: Super. Thanks so much, Jim. It's always a pleasure.
0: All right. You have a great day. Great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. With that, let's bring on Howard Berger for my favorite part, uh, one of my favorite parts of RealCom Live, and that's the news. This guy digs and and looks for all sorts of information. Uh, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of fake news out there, but somehow him and his team get to the bottom of everything real estate tech, prop tech, CRE tech, whatever we're going to call it. Howard, what do you got for us this week? Oh, well, thanks,
3: Jim. And, and it, it was so worth it to go a couple of extra minutes uh, over. Uh, you know, Justin, fantastic conversation, really important. And we're going to be diving into that a lot more deeply as we move up to and including at the June conference. So a little news. So I, I have a few highlights from you, uh, for you from our weekly briefing it goes out every Thursday morning. So uh, leading uh, this week is an article from Hope Dunlevy. She's the managing director, real estate advisory leader at conresnick Resnick. It's entitled Nice Versus Kind, Mentorship Versus Sponsorship. Know the key differences that drive DEIB. And DEIB, I I learned, is the acronym for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging, which is the B. So you may have heard this concept discussed in cultural contexts, where it's kind of been explored as a difference between, you know, East and West Coast culture. Uh, But in business, the context is much better defined. So mentorship is... Is key, is key and so important to fostering the next generation of leaders, especially in an area where companies are losing people faster they can hire and train them. And in this brilliant article, Hope literally unpacks the critical distinctions between mentorship and sponsorship and the importance in attracting and retaining, criti- uh, retaining t- critical talent. It's a great read uh next for those of you who have attended RealCon ivycon since 2012 you may recall that we feature a smart building best practice showcase and this is where we bring in 30 plus real estate execs representing some of the most iconic smart building projects from around the world and they mix with attendees in a highly interactive poster session over the years we've literally memorialized hundreds of notable buildings and portfolios in our showcases now every couple of weeks we're sharing one of these project profiles in our weekly news briefing and this week we're spotlighting Derwent's uh, London White uh, Collar Factory. Now this is an intelligent digital building, and as with the rest of Derwent's new buildings and retrofits, it's gonna harness all electric heating and cooling, use renewable resources, re- re- renewable sources of electricity and gas to power the entire portfolio, as well as utilizing other innovative low carbon technology on track to achieve net carbon zero emissions by 2030. Uh, great project. Uh, next, um, I, I know you're familiar with VIEW. Uh, they're the leader in electrochromatic glass and smart building technologies. Well, they recently announced that Bentall Green Oak uh, has employed the, few smart building, the VIEW smart building cloud across 45 of their Canadian properties spanning 12 million square feet. And they have plans to expand to 115 properties. Now, their smart building cloud. It's an open hardware and software platform with OT cyber as one of its core features. So this is gonna allow IT, OT and innovation teams to securely consolidate and normalize building data from across the entire portfolio into the cloud for everything from improved energy consumption to more efficient, automated and predictive facilities management. So uh, I'll I'll quote, uh, VIEW is on a mission to accelerate the digital transformation of real estate to make buildings healthier, more sustainable and easier to operate, uh, said Nitesh Tritka, uh, chief product officer with VIEW and BGO, Uh, Bentall Green Oak is a pioneer in the industry and we're thrilled to deepen that partnership now keep an eye on view, not only for the glass but for some new and exciting concepts, especially in smart building network architecture. And then finally, Singapore construction and engineering firm Samwo just opened their new headquarters in Kranji this week and is the nation's first positive energy industrial building. Yes, it can be done generates more energy than it uses, 25% of the generated energy from SAMLOS, 2,588 solar panels will be returned to the national grid. A lot of smarts in the BMS uh, optimize the environment in this four-story building. So you can read all about it, how they did it, and more in this informative article. Check it out. So that was just a few of this week's highlights, lots going on. Check these out more in the, week, in, the in the weekly briefing. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Have a great weekend, and back to you, Jim
0: yeah that was great the one that really piqued my interest on this week was the view discussion you know one from a single um piece of equipment a window which you never would have thought as being digital but now they are right piece of equipment but they saw very quickly the opportunity to be go beyond just the window and treat the window just as another device and what did they need to make that device work even better is the network and i think watching them through 2023 and beyond is going to be very interesting to see how they do with this this movement into the network component of the smart building
3: concept is fascinating not just creating iot output devices but all, but also the infrastructure uh to manage uh, manage and operate them yeah uh, i think
0: we in, in that article we wrote in 2002 connecting buildings and processes to the internet i think we deemed or, or coined the phrase uh, a smart appliance so the window is the smart appliance but you still need that architecture, that, that network to bring it all together. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. And I, I, I'm really encouraged by the work that they're doing. So I'm looking for a lot more coming from them. Yeah. Yep. Good, good job. Uh, good news. And uh, you have a great day and a great weekend. Okay. You too. Okay, bye, 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 bye. All right. Uh, before I wrap the show and talk about next week, let's hear from our final sponsor. And we will be right back. All right, first of all, thank you to Justin Siegel for giving us a little bit better insight on what's happening on integrating global employees into your company. Fascinating concept, fascinating story, fascinating journey. One we're gonna wanna keep an eye on as well. Uh, Thanks to all our sponsors and of course our team, the ROCOM team for putting these great episodes together. So next week, um, we're gonna leave the keyboards and the monitors and we're going out into the field, so to speak, we're going into the building up through that dusty construction elevator and we're going to be talking about construction technology. Uh, Our guest is going to be Henning Rodel, robotics lead for DPR Construction, one of the major construction companies in the United States, I think, if not the world. And uh, Henning um, is in charge of making sure robots make their way into the construction process. Big company, great reputation, focused. And I actually had a conversation with some uh, smaller construction companies and architects, and they said, we just don't have the luxury of having somebody on staff who can play. well." Uh, DPR is playing and Henning is the guy in the playground and we're really excited to have him. So with that, I bid you farewell for today. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day. Great weekend. Be well.